This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast with your hosts, Scott Walker and Jamie Davis, episode 198. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy and Sci-Fi Reads. I'm here with my co-host, urban and cozy fantasy author, Scott Walker. Scott, um, you know, we're recorded this episode right before the Christmas holidays. I think we're going to put probably pop this episode out in between Christmas and New Year's. Um, but uh, there's a lot going on this time of year. I'm really glad we got this episode in. What have you been up to? Uh recovering from trying to launch two books on the same day earlier this month. <laughs> uh, I'm very, very pleased with how um, my spells and sourdough book, which was number two in my Manhattan magic cozy urban fantasy series, uh, how well that's been received. Great ratings on Amazon, uh, getting great feedback from readers. That's awesome. And uh, book three is already for the most part done. Uh, I could, I, I think I'm going to move up the pre-order launch. So it's, Schedule for April, I'll probably move that up. So anyone who is really loving that series, good news. You're going to have probably an early read on, on that one. And then there's the Cozy Vales debut, our Winter Tales from, from Cozy Vales Anthology, which also launched December 1, uh, early this month. That has gotten amazing ratings and reviews. We've heard lots of great feedback from readers who loved sampling different authors, writing stories in the same world, but but writing very different characters and very different kinds of stories. So we have a little bit of everything. If you want action adventure, little murder mystery, little slice of life, trust me, we've got a story in the anthology that will scratch that reading itch. And we talked a little bit about that before we started recording today, um, that, that people who read short story anthologies, I think part of the, the lure of that is they get that different feel from different authors, you know, the same, it's usually, they're usually centered around a topic, but that topic can be interpreted in many different ways. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And that's not something I had really clued in on. I, I was, I was a little nervous that we maybe had gone like too diverse and had too much variety in the, in the anthology, but uh, my gut said to make it as diverse as possible. And that uh, let the readers decide that you can pick and choose. You don't have to love all the stories. And I'm, I'm sure most readers don't love all the stories. But the idea was that readers could get a really good sample of what they can expect and identify a couple of authors or more from the anthology that they really, really like, that they want to read more of. And then they can kind of begin following the, that particular author's Cozy Bale's journey. So that was the idea. And I think it's I think it was the right one. I think it was the right one. When are more Cozy Bale's stories coming out? Because I know you've got a lot of authors that are interested in writing books in, in that world. Um, when do you expect to, that readers who liked what they're reading in the cozy fantasy anthology, when they can expect to start seeing books coming out in based in cozy veils? That is a great question. And that is something we will be discussing, uh, probably in January. We've already got some authors beginning to fill out our 2024 schedule to give us kind of a sense, a draft sense of like, Oh, I think I might be releasing a novel in May or November or whatever. It just helps us internally begin to figure out what our publishing pipeline looks like insofar as we have to go through continuity reads internally before we can approve a book to go out. I can say for sure our next anthology will be a summer anthology that'll be dropping in May. So if you love Winter Tales, get ready for Summer Tales because it's coming very soon. <laughs> I can't wait. I really have had fun. I haven't read all of them yet, but I've, the ones I've read have done they've achieved the goal they're cozy 
you know, they're warm and cozy and fun to read and quick reads. And, and so it's, it's one of those things I'm like, ah, I've got, you know, I've got some time and I don't have anything to do. I'm going to pop open Cozy Gales and read, read one of the stories there. And awesome. I think that's yeah, exactly well, that what they're meant to do. What's that? I think that's what they're meant to do. I think that's what the yeah. short story genre or modality is meant to do is to fill a little bit of time with a little bit of escape. Yeah, totally. It's, it can be a one sitting, one read uh, experience and you're done. And then you can move on to the next one. Totally agree. Um, so I'm recovering. That's Currently, I'm in recovery mode for that, although I'm already planning for, for 2024. I know you've been very busy, my friend, as well. What have you been up to? Well, I've got a lot going on. Um, first off, uh, December 28th. So right around the time when this episode comes out, I have book seven in my Lone Wolf Squadron series coming out. That's called Frontier Law. And um, this is that space Western I've been writing, uh, you know, where it's just really just kind of drills into that whole frontier feel, but in space. And so I hope people look forward to checking that out. If you haven't already checked the series out um, right that week, um, book one will actually be going available for free and I'll post about that. Um, So if you want to haven't started reading that series and want to get book one for free, um, just about the time this podcast comes out, Go find uh, Marshall the Stars, and you can um, catch that available for free. Um, I'm also uh, starting a new community for my readers. Uh, One of the things that has really been a challenge for me with places like Facebook and X and the other platforms out there is that it's really been hard as the algorithms change to get visibility and really communicate and and let readers know something that's going on and be reasonably comfortable that they're even going to see what I posted. And I know a lot of my fans are discouraged because they missed something or they didn't see something that was coming along and wanted to have an opportunity to comment or, or share their thoughts or whatever the case may be. So I've started a new community over on the Ream platform. Ream is a pl- basically a place where authors can gather their super fans and have a community with them. And so it's Jamie's Fun Fantasy Family. So it's really a family feel over there. I want everybody to feel like they're part of the group. And um, it's going to be an opportunity for people to follow me there. There is a There will be paid levels for people that want to help pitch in to support me as an author in various ways. Um, there's lots of extra perks you get when you do that. But you can just follow me for free. And there's some free stuff that I'll be handing out over the course of the year that will get you free short story or free extras or scenes from upcoming books or things like that. Just the kind of things I post over on Facebook, but not everybody sees. So this is an opportunity for you to do that. And um, you can do that by going to jamiedavisbooks.com slash family. That'll take you right to the first chapter in the free short story that I have posted over there for all followers. Once you read that first chapter, it'll ask you to follow and just create an account. It's perfectly free. You're just going to put your email in, create a password, and you can keep reading the short story. And how is this different from Patreon? Why why Ream versus a well, Patreon? Patreon's a platform, similar platform, but it's it, this one's created specifically for authors. So you can read the stories or read my book chapters in the platform itself, in your phone browser or your, your computer browser or whatever, and you can comment on any chapter, any paragraph in a chapter 
anywhere along the line, you can click the little plus sign next to that chapter or that paragraph and say, oh my gosh, I laughed so hard. And yeah, I can't, can't do that in Patreon. <laughs> you can't do that in Patreon. And, and this is basically for authors and readers to talk to each other. So when you get to a part of my book that perplexes you, tell me, let me know. And, and I'll answer you back because I'll get an email about it right away. So-and-so left a comment and I can come in there and I can say, Hey, um, thanks for the comment. And you know, you're absolutely right. Keep reading. You'll figure it out. Or, or boy, that's a hole. I should have fixed that. You know, I'll be honest about it. And, uh, that's, that's part of what I want to create over there is a fun place for people to, to enjoy stories, specifically my stories, but, but we'll be able to talk back and forth. I'm going to have polls and some things in the future where people can, give me suggestions or perhaps um, share their thoughts about direction for future works. And all of that will be part of the process. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Love it. I mean, yeah, it's one thing to have a character named after in a book. It's another thing to, to tell the author, like, I really think you should write you know, an action adventure heist movie or whatever. I don't, I don't know. That sounds yeah, really cool. Well, to get that I, kind I of mean, input. we'll see what people say. I, I, I haven't done a poll yet because it's just getting started. Um, I think I've got like nine or 10 followers right now. Um, cause I've just literally just announced it this week. So people are just getting started finding out about it. And, um, uh, you can get a free short story called Gibby's holiday or Gibby's Hollywood adventure, um, which takes place in the eighties because I'm an eighties kid. And <laughs> I wanted to know what our favorite frumpy vampire might've been doing in the mid eighties. And it turns out he went to Hollywood to try his hand at screenwriting. So it's a lot of fun. It's goofy. <laughs> it's typical Gibby fair for anybody that's read extreme medical services. They'll be able to enjoy that. And um, you can get that perfectly for free just by following me over at jamiedavisbooks.com slash family. That'll take you to the page and get you started. Uh, he is hands down my favorite EMS character. <laughs> well, I had a lot of fun writing this story about him. Um, he's uh, I just, you know, it's, it's typical. He just stumbles into things and then has to figure out his way out of it. And he, he has his own unique way of handling life. Well, I, you know, I, again, talking about being very busy, you're, you're also glossing over a short story you just released for the Delta Underground Operatives World as well. I did, and that's available for free on my Facebook group. I actually am going to actually post that for free for followers in my Ream community too. Just haven't gotten around to doing that yet, but it's a, a duo gift of Christmas present, and um, or duo ghost of Christmas present, and it, it's a fun wrap up of genie and rats saga in the Delta underground operatives world. Uh, if you've read my Delta underground operatives split infinity story, then you will be really enjoy this quick short story about genie and rat at Christmas time. It's it's they've, they've concocted the perfect Christmas Eve date. Nothing could go wrong until it does. <laughs> because it always does. It always does. But yeah, thanks for asking me about that. So folks can get that on my Facebook group or in the Delta Underground Operatives Readers Facebook group. And I'll be making it available over on the Ream platform too. So it'll be available in those places completely free. Just wanted you guys to have a nice Christmas gift. I was going to say, you were giving some early gifts away to readers. It's awesome. Yeah, definitely. That's what it's all about. I, 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 love, I love my readers. I want to make sure you all are entertained and have, some, have a good time this holiday season. So Scott, awesome. uh, we need yeah. to, we need to get on into the show. I know we could sit here and talk about our <laughs> holiday plans all week, but I know. Um, why don't you let us know a little bit about our guest this week, Aaron PT Canning. 
Yeah, my my pleasure here. Um, Aaron P. T. Cannon, it's E-R-I-N, P as in Paul, T as in Tom, Canning, has worked for more than 15 years as an editor, encouraging each writer's individual voice and strengthening their writing goals. She always planned, however, to write a book. Then she had kids. While she focused on them, she stopped writing for six years. But something deep inside was missing. Depression, anxiety, and anger forced her to search for herself, both for her sake and her family's. Despite fearing her skills had atrophied, Erin started writing again. The Eratol saga became so epic that she keeps dividing the manuscript in half. She released her first fantasy romance novel, Ruins and Redemption, in 2023. Book one celebrates Erin taking herself off the shelf and making her own dreams come true. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. I checked out her website, checked out her first book. Sounds awesome. I can't wait to jump into this interview. Aaron, welcome to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. It's great to have you here on the show. Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience of readers out there and let them know a little bit about who you are. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, it's funny when people ask me just to say a little bit about who I am now because I just feel like I'm constantly wearing so many different hats. Um, so I'm an author, which is a dream come true this past year. And uh, I've been an editor for 15 plus years. I edit primarily fantasy and romance novels. Those are my favorite, which of course is then what I wound up finally publishing. And um, I'm a mom of two young boys. So fun times. And I'm also a podcaster for parents who write. So lots, lots of hats, lots of fires in the iron. <laughs> it sounds like it. Um, so You've been doing podcasting for a lot longer than you've been an author. Um, you mentioned romance and fantasy. It sounds like your editing of those two genres was what led you into writing in those genres. But I'm curious, what was the impetus for writing uh, to begin with? So I had the type of childhood. Well, okay. So the, the, there's, there's the positive and then there's kind of the sadness behind that too. Um, I've always been a writer. I was always that kid where teachers would say, she talks too much. She has a great imagination. She's going to be a writer one day. And I always knew that I wanted to be a writer. But the beginning of my writing, it actually started with poetry when I was younger. And it was a way for me to process a lot of um, stuff that I was dealing with at home. Um, and I was also the kid that like got bullied and picked on a lot. Because again, the kid with the imagination who was like, let, we're running from aliens on the playground. And other kids were like, what's going on with you? You're what? <laughs> and so uh, a lot of a lot of factors with that. So I went to school to be a writer, but then I wound up becoming an editor. You know, okay. All right. Well, okay. So um, you were using the poetry as, as a, a therapeutic, which again, not, not the first time we've heard that. Amazing. Um, what was it about the two genres of fantasy and romance that made, that drew you to them? What I mean, you mm. say you like to edit them and you know, you're writing them. There's yeah. a lot of other genres out there you could have chosen from. Why these two? I love the happily ever after. And I love the character who has to dig down deep inside themselves and, you know, 
that typical, they had it with them all along. Um, but they have to rise above. I love the hero's journey. I've always been drawn to those stories. I was the kid who watched all the Disney movies over and over and over again. Um, and all of the sci-fi fantasies because of the fact that it was the hero figuring out what they needed, whether that was gathering those tools from their friends or the found family that they get or, but also ultimately what was inside of them. And so I think we all just struggle with so much in life. And it's nice to think that we do actually have what we need inside us to get through that. You you mentioned that you're um, in your bio that you've been coaching authors for 15 years and editing and doing all those things. Um, what's it like helping authors kind of, you know, be that hero for themselves and find that that character that helps them reach that pinnacle and find it within themselves to do it. I love it. I love it when I can see the holes in their stories and then I am the type of editor, I'm an inline editor primarily. And so I love it when I start asking them 20 million questions to help them realize why it's a hole. And I'm not telling them how to fill that hole. I'm saying, based on the content that you gave me, this is what I am thinking. But I don't think that's actually what you meant. I think you might be trying to say this. And if that's the case, then I start asking questions. And like just that light bulb moment that goes off for them, where they're like, oh my God, that's how I can finally convey what it is that I've been trying to do here. And so being able to empower them to do that, and then they can also better do it as they go forward in their own writing career has been one of the highlights of my entire writing journey. I became a better writer because I was able to help other writers. It's awesome. You know, if, if you as an author can find a good partner as an editor, and I, and I, the editors that I've worked with, I think of them as partners. And yeah. the best, the best experiences have been the ones where we have developed a true partnership. Trust, I trust them and they trust me. And we're able to kind of step into this little, this special space where we kind of talk about the story. And mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times my story has been elevated beyond anything I could have ever imagined because I was able to find an amazing editor as a true partner. But I loved your qualification about telling them that there is a problem here, but not telling them how to solve it. And that is the mark of a great editor. Thank you. I love it. Is I uh, went to school for my master's in creative writing. And one of the best lessons that I learned walking out of there was learning how to critique other people's writing without superimposing our own ideas and thoughts on it. And so I'm always putting that warning out online where people share their writing and they're like, so what do you think? And I'm like, be careful of who you're getting that feedback from because the last thing you want is somebody to say, well, I would have done it this way or, and it's like, well, great, go write your own story. <laughs> but <laughs> so that, that class helped us to identify like, no, what is the author's goal for this scene or this book or this chapter? And then once we identified their goal, we could then go back and say, okay, these are the things that are helping with that. And these are the things that are distracting or confusing that, and that, that was one of the biggest epiphanies I had. Yeah, I'm working with um, wrapping up. A, I've got an editor do, doing a final pass on a book right now. And I really, it's funny, I, I look forward to getting 
those Slack messages from her while she's working on the project, um, asking me questions and and saying, hey, you do this a lot, you know, ne- you know, because we I, I've always told her at the end of every manuscript, give me something to work on in the next manuscript so that it's a mm. little cleaner the next time, because that's my job. Right. As the writer, it's my job to give the best product I can so that the editor can focus on other things than the nitty gritty of, of you know, writing a little bit smoother or coming up with a better, um, you know, we all have our crutches as writers. We all have those things, those phrases we fall back on way too much. And she helps me break some of those crutches. So it's good. Yes. He furrowed his brows. Oh, every time I type it, I go, stop it. Make something else. <laughs> it's okay. One or two, it's fine. It's fine. As long as you don't over, go overboard. It's the overboard. And I was like, <laughs> I, have to, I have to do a search at the end of my manuscript just for the word furrow to be like, okay, let's take some of you out now. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the origins of Ruins and Redemption, which is book one in your Eritol. Did I pronounce that correctly, Eritol? You did. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. It's spelled A-E-R-Y-T-O-L for all of our listeners out there, Eritol Saga. What's the rest of the series looking like as you move forward to release more books? What's your plans for this series? So for your first question, it started off as a dream. I have very vivid dreams. I think a lot of authors do. And um, it basically was me slash the main character walking through a forest and these three people appeared and two of them were kind of hesitant. And the third one, the woman who is Sira in my book, she saw me and she said, I've been waiting for you. And I could not let that go. I was like, why is she here? And this is this became Adeline, my main character. I was like, why is she here? Who are these other people? Why are the guys not so trustworthy of her? And I daydreamed that for like four months as a mom doing everything else in between. Like every free moment, I was just like, what's going on? Who are these characters? And I, uh, yeah. So after four months, I sat down to write the first draft. And that was 110,000 words in 12 weeks. And then I realized that that initial draft was actually the first two books. I thought that was book one. I already knew what I wanted book two to be. So I keep dividing my manuscript in half. Um, And I am releasing book two, February 2nd. And I'm aiming to release book three about three months after that. And then book four, I'm hoping to release in the fall of 2024. So I have a lot of it drafted. Well, okay. You just answered my question. Clearly not a trilogy then if you're talking about book four. Yeah. I mean, is this something you see as being like an open-ended series or are you like, no, it's going to be six books or nine books. Do you have that arc planned out yet? So books one through four are the original story that I came up with. I do have an idea for two more potential books after that and then possibly a third. Um, but I'm like, let me just finish books one through four with that initial dream that I daydreamed. Uh, but yeah, I I do have the continuation. I also have a second series that's brewing in the back of my mind. So I think once I'm done with book four, it's a good place for me to leave off. And then I'll probably put out two books of the next series. And then I'll go back and do book five for Aerotol. That's a lot. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, as a person who's written multiple series, Scott too, you know, is digging into other series now. And I think it's, it's, I think you got, you got to follow your muse in, in that regard. I think it's important to kind of branch out and, and 
see where it takes you. And if you've got something else calling to you, hey, write me, write me. Well, sometimes you have to follow that. I think that's really great. Yeah. Yeah. That second series was actually a dream I had before Ruins and Redemption. So I, I have a I have a good plot in mind for that one as well. That's well thought out. I just don't have it on paper, but that's okay. I've got time. I'm, now you, I'm busy you, right now. You, dreaming seems to be like a theme here. And, and yes. you know, that you get such vivid dreams. I love the dream that inspired you to write the Eretal saga with, with, and, and it sounds like yourself as the main character, or at least a reflection of yourself as Adeline. What, yeah. what, how is she that reflection of you or represents something you wish you were maybe? So she's an anthropologist. And when I was in high school, I decided to teach myself Japanese. I wanted to learn a language that was just so different both in terms of the language itself, but also the culture and the way of thinking. So I study Japanese and people usually think that means that I'm um, huge into manga and all that. I'm not, but I will forever be a Sailor Moon fan, all-time favorite childhood cartoon show. And so to answer your question, um, two things. One, Adeline is me in the sense of, I remember when I went to Japan, And I was so excited to learn everything that everybody was doing. And it wasn't, well, we do it like this back in the States. I was just like, no, show me everything. Tell me everything. I want to do it exactly like you guys do. And they kept saying, what an unusual American. And so Adeline is like me in that regard when she gets pulled into another world and she's like, there's elves on the other side of that river and I want to go see what they're doing. And she doesn't have the prejudice and the fear and the judgment that everybody else in that world has that divides those two species. She's just like, there's elves and I want to go see everything and I'm going to go take notes and I want to study culture and I'm going to observe it. And so she's me in that regard. And then she also harkens back to my forever love of Sailor Moon, where I loved that whenever she fought the bad guys at the end, she also just had this deep kindness in within her. And I always tell my kids, the world needs more kindness. And so Adeline can be a badass and do what she needs to do. But at the end of the day, she's also, she wants kindness to be her motivator. So. Well, I, I gotta have to ask, have you made it to Japan? Have I what? Have you made it to Japan? Yeah, yeah, I did. I made it to Japan in 2002, and I got to be there for about two and a half weeks. And I got to go to Niigata and Kyoto and Tokyo and Nara and Kobe. Yeah, I had it. It was a trip of a lifetime. Okay, so you learned the language, then you got to go there. That had to have been a very different experience for people like me who can't speak a single word of Japanese and go over there. Have a great time. It's an amazing country. But for you to be able to speak uh, natively, I, I bet that was a very different experience for you. It was fun. I was still learning while I was there. And I was staying with a very dear friend of mine, Tiemi, and her family in Niigata. And in her hometown, nobody had seen a foreigner before. So there I am, I show up and I've got my curly hair and they kept touching my curly hair. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. Um, but it was just really nice for them to see that I was excited to share in their culture rather than be, again, like, well, this is how we do it over here. Well, now the <laughs> so. connection back to to Ruins and Redemptions is now very, very clear. I get the connection now. 
That's awesome. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. You know, it's funny because Scott, um, Scott's first series is um, Little Yokai, um, which is uh, the the series that um, kind of reflects your love, Scott, of of Japanese culture and some of the things and, and legends that come from that that place. So it's it's interesting to you know see that um, how you reflected that and hearing also how how Aaron reflected that in her books too. Yeah, I did not learn Japanese. I've tried multiple times. It is simply beyond my skill set, sadly. It, <laughs> it is a hard language. I remember reading a book on just how the structure of the sentences went. And I read the book like five times plus, And I finally literally threw the book across the room and hit the wall. And I was like, I'm done. I'm not even bothering. Got up, went to my room, threw myself on the bed. I was like all right, fine. I'm going to try one more time. And I did, I read the book and I just one sentence at a time. And I was like, Oh, I get it. And after that, it was once I figured out the structure of the sentences after that, it was easy. (laughs) See, that's, that's where I went wrong. I didn't throw the book across the room. Problem solved. I'll go do that right after this podcast. (laughs) Okay. Go do that. Good luck. It's a great (laughs) for epiphanies. (laughs) You know, we've been talking about the Airtel side. We haven't talked about what it's about. Uh, give us give us the blurb. Give us a short uh, synopsis for our listeners out there. Yeah, my elevator pitch is a, an anthropologist unintentionally travels to another world and has to use her skills to bridge the cultural gap between elves and humans. Awesome. Love it. Yeah, Thank I've started you. reading so, it and it's 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 really interesting to see how she she kind of discovers where she is. And there's always that moment where, you know, when, when you have a story where a character is transported like that is, are they going to be the character who refuses to understand or refuses to admit that they're there? Um, And, and, or are they going to be that person that like dives in wholeheartedly? And, and I just love what you've done. Thank you. I liked that I could take her love for academics and studying other cultures and how that could help her to be like, okay, we're going to process this. Let me just put on my logic brain. Let me set aside the freak out that I do want to do. I'm just going to focus on my logic brain right now. Okay, let's study the continents. Can this possibly be back in time? No, it cannot. Um, so that was a lot of fun. But the uh, the general premise of the book in terms of where she lands is this place called the Neutral Territory. And I have one elven kingdom and one human kingdom who have decided that they're tired of the borders being shut down and the fear and the hatred and um, trying to cross over to another kingdom is life-threatening because the other species is trying to hunt the other species down if you're on their territory. So um, one elven kingdom and one human kingdom have decided to create a neutral territory where elves and humans are living side by side in the city, but there is literally a river that divides the city in half and they struggle to cross that river and really interact with each other. And Adeline's just like, I'm going, I'm going, and I'm going to ask questions. This is going to be fun. <laughs> I love the metaphor yeah. of that river, the, the, what, what it represents, you know, because there, boy, there, there are rivers between a lot of people right now you know, that people yeah. are afraid to cross and, um, you know, we all were that brave, right? Right. And hence there's tons of bridges. It's not just one bridge that connects the city. There's constant bridges that allow 
the guards to go back and forth and make sure everything's okay and everybody's getting along, even though they're staying pretty much on their own sides out of their own free will. It's not like they're forbidden from crossing the bridge. Um, but yeah, and so there's one, the guards go around in twos as well. So it's one elf and one human who go around making sure everything's cool. Um, but the bridges aren't really used until Adeline shows up. And she spends a lot of time on the one bridge that she calls the Rialto. And my husband asked me at some point, he was like, the, the bridge should have an actual name, right? Not, and I was like, oh, I guess, I guess we'll have to figure that out in book two or three. What, what's the actual name of the bridge? It's not just the Rialto. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I like, no, I like that. I, I mean, are, are you going to name the rest of the bridges in the city? Like some of them are probably more so the street names where there's just one main bridge that Adeline nicknames the Rialto. Awesome. And I'm like, okay, if it's that, yeah, if it's that main bridge, I suppose it should have an actual formal name, but. Well, it sounds like your husband should be more involved in your writing because that's a great idea. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'll let him know that. (laughs) (laughs) He loves it too. He's heard every reiteration of this story. I'm like, I'm going to read you a chapter while we're in the car. Okay, honey. <laughs> but he's a good sci-fi fantasy fan as well, too. So it's a good thing for us to talk about. Well, you're writing. It sounds like you're moving pretty quickly on getting the drafts together and things like that. What's your writing process like that? You know, I mean, you have you said you had two small children, you're, you're writing and, and you know, running a family and all the things that you have to do. Uh, what is that that process like for you? I attribute a lot of figuring that process out thanks to Maria Sequoy at All Right Well. She provides writing services for um, authors who want to self-publish, and I'm her lead editor on her team. And by working with her, I've gotten her system down pat. Like, she's amazing. Uh, And so she helped me. As much as I loved getting my master's in writing, it didn't teach me how to write a shitty first draft and then being a perfectionist and being an editor put that double fear on top of it that I can't write crap this is what I do as a professional like people are going to judge me for that and it stilted me for years uh so when I joined her team as an editor I was watching all these other people and I'm like gosh darn it it's my turn So I did. Uh, And she helped me learn how to, one, say to myself, it's okay. I can write a shitty first draft. Like that's, I know that's what for revisions are for. That's what I tell my clients. Um, But I could finally embrace it. And then she also helped me learn how to stagger stuff. So this way I'm not just focusing on only one book at once. So like uh, when my book is going to my line editor. I'm then working simultaneously on my cover design. I've already got my back blurb ready to go at that point. Uh, And that overlapping of those things has sped up the process a lot for me. And then um, in terms of my schedule, I, being a freelance editor, I'm at home and I'm fortunate where I've been able to uh, try to balance my editing work with my author work. So uh, I try to get in at least two hours of writing during the day. But then honestly, once my kids go to sleep and it's like nine o'clock at night, I tend to write until 1 a.m. and regret it the next morning. But the creativity kicks in and it's finally quiet. And I am a night owl. So my husband's amazing. And he kind of cracks a joke if I come to bed at 11 and he's like, it's not 1 a.m. What are you doing? Um, (laughs) So... Yeah, but 
again, I don't have to burn the midnight oil all the time because of the fact that I can now stagger my work. I just, I was sick for like a month and a half total and kind of got a little lazy with book two at one point. And so like now I'm making up for it where I'm writing until <laughs> one in the morning to to make up for, but I've got a better schedule for book three. So that does not happen again because I don't, mm -mm. I don't advise oh, what I, what I'm doing right now. <laughs> don't burn yourself out. It's so, so, so easy to burn yourself out. It is. And that's the other thing that I really like about Maria's program is that she really stresses that it's 10 hours a week. It's just as long as you're doing it consistently and you're staggering those pieces, you can do it without burning yourself out and still take vacations and like have a life. And so I'm, I'm doing that better for book three. Good, good, good. good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And everybody's process is different. You know, there, there are mm -hmm. many paths to the top of the writing mountain and yeah. no process is wrong as long as you get the result you're looking for and you're not you know, burning yourself out. So yeah. good for you for learning early what your process should be. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm four chapters away from revisions on book two. So I'm very excited. Like it's That's great. That's nearing great. So close to done. And I love it. I get so excited <laughs> when I talk about book two, but I don't want to give away spoilers. So. <laughs> well, so you've, you've got book one out. I presume you've got a, a an email list readers can sign up for, correct? I do. I do. And they also yeah. get a free short story if they sign up. I was going to say, how do you connect with your readers? Yeah, they get a free short story. It's a romanticy, which is now my favorite term for fantasy romance. Hold up. Hold up. What? Yeah, romanticy. That's the term that's taking over. I'm not a TikTok person. I'm sorry, but apparently it has become so popular on TikTok that it's becoming a legit genre. I believe it's starting to bleed into other areas. So yeah, romanticy. It's Fun. funny you mentioned that because um, I I um, get a uh, Kalytics download. Um, they just did r r fantasy and sci-fi. Um, recently, um, and Alex Newton, the um, owner of that company, was talking about fantasy romance and romantic fantasy. And then he said, "And then there's romanticy." And he said, "But he, but he went and looked and did a he did search analysis of it on Amazon. It's not showing up as high as romantic fantasy and fantasy romance. Um, Good to know. It hasn't hasn't clicked in with the readers yet. I, I think the." The TikTok audience is a little a little bit different, but it's, yeah. it'll be interesting to see as that grows because I think it will catch on. It's such a neat term. Um, yeah. But it, it was funny you mentioned that because I just watched that video like two days ago and he was talking about it. He went and he showed it. He's like, look, if you put it, put it in the search box, and you know, don't get nearly as many results. And yeah. My Amazon blurb has fantasy and romance. I haven't actually used romanticy in that way, but my social media posts, I use fantasy, romance, romance, fantasy, romanticy, like cover all three at that point. So yeah, but uh, my short story is an 11,000 word. That's darn near a novella. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? It is. It's a novella. I did actually call it a novella and it's called Promises and possibilities. I had to stop and think about that. Yes. Promises and possibilities, possibilities and promise, promises and possibilities. Oh God, sorry. It's good. It's on Either, my one's website. Good. Either one's good. Either one's good. <laughs> it's on my website and I do love the story. Um, and so, yeah, it's a roller coaster because it's so short. So, but it takes place in Airtal. It actually takes place before book one. Um, there's a pretty cool tie-in at the end that I don't 
want to give away, but my readers who read it, they were like, oh my gosh. I was like, yeah, I thought about that. That's fun. I love it. I'm glad you got that. <laughs> That's great okay, so to you, connect not- with the readers that way though. I mean, when you, you know, those, the, those Easter eggs that we drop, um, are, mm-hmm. are so special to our fa- our biggest fans because they yeah. get all of those little hints and tidbits that you, that you leak over from one story to the next and it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, they're, they're, I, yeah, the crossovers in, in that novella are entertaining. I'll say that Lord Hammond makes an appearance and he's the character that Adeline constantly refers to as Wesley from the princess bride. And, uh, so he, he makes an appearance and promises and possibilities. Nice. Nice. Well, we are, we have reached a point in our, in our podcast where we do what we call the no wrong answers, rapid fire question round. So Scott and I are going to alternate. We're going to ask you five quick questions the first thing that pops into your head, some of them are yes and no, some of them are, are short answer, but um, first thing that pops in your head, there's no wrong answers. You can't, you can't screw this up and we'll just jump in and get the first one and we'll be done before you know it. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go. Caving or mountain climbing? Caving. Pineapple pizza. Yes or no? Uh, yes. Modern Santa or medieval St. Nicholas? Modern. Marvel or DC Comics? Marvel, 100%. <laughs> prefer looking forward or prefer looking back? Oh, that's a hard one. Because if you look back, you can see how far you've come. But when you look forward, you've got the promise of the future. But it can feel overwhelming if you haven't gotten there yet. Oh, I, I think I'm going to say looking backward. Okay. So no wrong. There's no wrong out. answers. No wrong answers. Exactly. That was a hard one. That was a really hard <laughs> one though. <laughs> that might've been the most enthusiastic set of answers I've ever heard on this section. That was awesome. Like you're like <laughs> on it. I am a diehard Marvel fan, uh, but you didn't mention X-Men. I grew up as a major X-Men an- uncanny X-Men fan, collected the comics with my brother, will always love Rogue and Gambit. See, again, there's that, that romance in there, right? That's what pulled me into X-Men in the first place was Rogue and Gambit. And I was like, just kiss the girl and don't get in a coma. <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Again. Well, listen, it's been a, an absolute pleasure getting to know you and hearing about your author journey. I feel like there's way more we didn't have a chance to talk about. We'll have to have you back on the podcast. That would be so much fun. Thank you. This has been a fantastic time. <laughs> oh, good. Um, so where can readers find Runes and Redemption? Is this wide? Is this Amazon only? It's wide. You can find it where all books are sold. Okay. And then what's your website? Where can people find you online? Erinptcanning.com. And they cannot so find you. And they cannot find you on TikTok. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram. I'm better on Facebook. Um, because I like being able to comment and not have to have a photo with it. Like I'll put a GIF or share stuff. I I just, I don't know. My brain struggles with Instagram. Um, I don't know, but anyway, so yeah, but I am on both and that's, I was going to specify Erin, E-R-I-N, P-T for Patricia Teresa. And then the canning is like a canning factory, C-A-N-N-I-N-G. Cause a lot of people hear that and think canon like fire. So get that. And I, I want to make sure folks check out your podcast too, parents who write.com. 
So we definitely want to give you a pitch for that too real quick and, and um, just uh-huh. uh, make sure folks check that out as well. Um, Aaron, thanks for coming by the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. It's great to have you here and we do definitely want to have you back. So as future books or maybe that other series comes out, we can get you back in here and chat about it. Thank you so much. I would love to. I love talking, as you can imagine, about fantasy and sci-fi um, and bring up Marvel next time and I'll go all in, especially about X-Men. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're bringing up romanticy. You can count on it. Okay, cool. <laughs> we'll talk about we'll talk about the Marvel romanticy crossover. How about that? Yes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I should tell you about my fan fiction I wrote as in high school that was a crossover of X-Men and Sailor Moon, but okay. <laughs> Wow. Okay, we're adding that. I put that on the agenda, Jamie. We will add that in for next next episode. Perfect. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Wow, talking with Erin was so much fun. Uh, I had a blast. And yeah, I love talking with her about finding her stories in her dreams. That is that is so amazing that her dream popped a, an idea for a story out like that. Not, not one, but two. Yeah. Yeah. Not one, but two. Yeah. I, and then what, what, you know, we do research on this, on these uh, interviews. We talk about these authors. We go to the websites, we go to check out their books. And no matter how much research we do, we always learn something new during the podcast itself. We, we, we read the, the questions ahead of time and we, we ask the author questions ahead of time. And it doesn't matter how much, how deep we go. We always learn something new. And it was really cool to get to know Erin, get to know more about her books and her writing journey. Absolutely. And there will be links to everything we talked about with Erin in this episode. You can head over to jamiedavisbooks.com, click the podcast tab at the top of the page, or if you're on your phone, just use the drop down menu, go to podcast, and you'll be able to find her episode show notes with links to her book, with links to her website, even links to her podcast. So I want to make sure you can find all that stuff over there and definitely do that. Um, Scott, why don't you share with the listeners how they can get in touch with you and follow up what you're doing? Easiest way is for them to go to scottiswriting.com and I am Scott is writing on all the major social media platforms. How about you, my friend? Well, you can find me at jamiedavisbooks.com and on my Facebook Fantasy Readers Facebook group. And make sure you check out the podcast and subscribe to the show at jamiedavisbooks.com. And I want to remind you that I did talk about at the beginning of the show my new reader community. If you want to check that out and get a free short story, go to jamiedavisbooks.com slash family. Until next time, I'm Jamie Davis. And I'm Scott Walker asking you to keep on reading and keep listening here to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. And we'll see you next year.